Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Zinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. We are so lucky to be joined by Agent Roseanne Wells tonight. Ooh, Rose- ooh. <laughs> Rosie's in my living room right now. We are eating nachos, which are actually oh, yeah. really good. They are so good. So Roseanne and I are both from California. We actually grew up about an hour from each other, went mm-hmm. to a school of about 1,200 people, lived within a 10-minute walk of each other, and didn't know each other. So we went to Sarah Lawrence for four years. We met at a mutual friend's party, and I cornered Jessica and said, oh my gosh, you work in publishing? Please tell me all about your job and your life. Please answer all my questions. And she looked a little bit frightened, but... She did answer all my questions, and then we became friends, publishing friends. Really good became, actual friends. And then we became real friends. The rest is history. Yeah. All right, so let's talk queries. Writers seem to think that we don't get that many of them. I don't know what other agents get, but I feel like if I go without two days of reading my query inbox, it just explodes. I get it down to a reasonable place. As you know, my goal has been to get it to under 100 queries for a while, and then I get busy or, you know, I go on vacation, whatever, and I come back and I'm like, oh, cool, I have to start again. So what we're going to do is you're going to look at 10 queries in your inbox and Mm -hmm. you're going to describe them without any identifying information. Okay. I have not looked at these before. That's perfect. Great. So these are in no particular order. Well, they're in the order in my inbox. Why don't you scroll to make it random? Okay. So this is a picture book. It's about cats. It's 690 words, which for a fiction picture book is a little bit long. It would really have to wow me. Also, they're talking about how they studied writing with novelists, which is not necessarily relevant to writing picture books. Speaking of tropes that no one else would see very often except for me because I see them on my side, this actually follows the trope, my cat is so weird. And it's sort of either from the POV of the cat playing as a knight or playing as a superhero or whatever or the cat from an outside perspective noticing a cat's behavior and saying like oh it's so weird and I've seen like four or five of these manuscripts in the last week you know the cat is the hero except that the cat says I'm protecting my humans from dangers but the cat is like sleeping on their head you know (laughs) yeah so I'm a cat lover and I talk about that a lot with other cat lovers but I've seen that like five times very very recently there are a lot of cat books there are a lot of cat books that seems to be a trope that is now coming out this one is an illustrator query she talks about her work but she doesn't talk about any project that she's working on She also talks about all of our clients, which is nice, but I always feel like it's better to be more specific. Sometimes when you say, I love to follow the careers of all of your clients, but you sent me like a thriller query and I don't do thrillers. And so I know that that's sort of part of your cut and paste. Yeah, a lot of people think that they can convince us that something is personal when if yeah. you could not I mean, cut and paste it, I will consider it personal. But if yeah. you could, I will consider it a cut and paste. 
Well, it's vague enough that it, it's sort of like astrology. It's vague enough that it could be true, but <laughs> because I know my list better than you do, it, it doesn't quite fit. This is really interesting. So this illustrator is very technically good, but I'm not getting a lot of emotion from their illustrations. It's sort of the difference between a drawing and an illustration, is that voice and that expression of emotion. You know, so I'm going to pass. I got an adult sci-fi, which I get a lot of because I do SFF. A lot of rhetorical questions, which is a turnoff for me. A lot of caps. For emphasis? Yeah. How 18th century? (laughs) Why is it 18th century? Oh, they just did. Caps for For, emphasis. For emphasis, yeah. They're talking about how their work in their full-time job would benefit, but I'm not really seeing the connection because, like, they're sort of loosely connected, but it's sort of like saying, I work in marketing pharmaceuticals, and so I know how to market. Well... That's true. You know how to market pharmaceuticals, but you don't necessarily know how to market an author or market a book. Yeah, it took them a long time to get to the pitch. The comp titles are a little bit odd. Also, it starts with a suicide, which is sad. People think it's really edgy to start with a suicide, and I don't necessarily agree. It's a topic you have to be really careful about. It's a topic you have to be really careful about. It's a topic you have to approach in the right way, and I feel like if... The point is for them to get dead really fast. It can be really insensitive. You know, if they're a ghost, then why don't they just start the book as a ghost? Also, it's really long. Sci-fi tends to run very long. Also, they used caps in the opening of the chapters, and I'm going to pass. Yeah, there are better ways to grab somebody's attention. Okay, this is high fantasy. It's 110 words, which is a little bit long, especially for a debut, but it's not terribly outside of the realm of normal. Oh, there's a strong female character. I say that very sarcastically, but I am looking for strong female characters, but I also feel like it's a trope. So you want a strong female character that isn't capped for emphasis? Well, it's sort of like when you make someone an orphan. It's it's sort of a shortcut for like a sad, tragic life, and you don't have to build two parent characters you know it i think it's become a shortcut for a lot of people both in the pitching and the character building because as soon as you say that a whole layer of description is added in. exactly exactly you don't have to add exactly and i feel like that's not quite true you do have to build and there's multiple ways to be strong too yeah it's very different to be a warrior queen versus to be a peasant who has to get her handsy employer to take his hands off you know they self-published but they are not pitching me their self-published work which is good and i appreciate knowing up front that they did self-publish i get a lot of queries that are fine they're decent but they're not great so you need something that leaps out at you Yeah, and I feel like even that is a trope within the agency community of, like, something that's going to knock my socks off or, you know, keep me up at light. Or my favorite, I'm going to miss my stop on the train. It's, again, sort of a shortcut of, like, something that's going to make me pay attention and is going to sell for a lot of money. Well, if we really model that feeling. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's sort of the ideal book is something that will sell a lot of copies and... That you can't forget about. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, this person used multiple fonts, 
capital letters, multiple colors, illustrations in a novel query, and the query is about five sentences long. Okay, pass. Science fiction again. A lot of science fiction. A nice short query. I appreciate that. Scrolling down to the text. The text is about a woman, but it's not about her. Do you know what I mean? Basically, the woman is a prop in the opening paragraph. So things happen to her. Exactly. The fact that he took time to describe her pantsuit but didn't give her anything to do except, like, scream. She's a prop. He describes her as part of the window dressing of the scene and not as a character. This is someone following up on a query that they sent in June. I have an eight-week no-response-means-no policy, so if you didn't get the automatic email that I sent, then you can feel free to send it again. However, that does say that if I haven't responded in eight weeks, it's a pass, so I don't usually follow up on these. Again, another illustration. It's a mashup of a famous novel and a genre that the novel would not normally fall into. I really can't follow this. Oh, also describing the character. Like, this is so gross. So I I can't even, I can't tell you why it's inappropriate, but it's so gross. (laughs) Pass? Oh, that was a hard pass. So this picture book uses really classic, I mean, frankly, old, turn-of-the-century comp titles, but then approaches it from a different perspective, which I think could be really interesting. Except that they didn't include pages. So now I'm stuck thinking, okay, do I ask them for pages on this really cool concept, or do I pass because they didn't follow the directions, and I know that if they can't follow the directions, that they're going to be a pain as a client. Unless they did do their research and they just happened to do it from a source that was incorrect. It all depends how much you like the concept. You know what? I'm going to put this on hold and come back to it later. Sometimes I do that if I am not sure how I feel. Same. Okay, this is good. It's a memoir from a diverse creator, but the memoir has no... It has no arc. It's more like an autobiography, which is not going to work for the current market. The memoir market is so crowded that you can't really have an autobiography of someone who's not famous. Could you talk about the difference? Sure. So a memoir is usually a specific amount of time, like a month or two months or even you know a year or 18 months or something like that. And it has... An emotional arc that is similar to a novel. So there is an inciting incident, there is an emotional journey, sometimes there's actually a physical journey, <laughs> like with a lot of travel memoirs, um, and then there's a, a climax and then some sort of conclusion. It doesn't have to have a happy ending necessarily, but there's some sort of emotional payoff and satisfaction that you get from the end. Whereas an autobiography is more just a recounting of your life with the highlights. So Judy Dench can write an autobiography. Um, I think I read Lucille Ball's autobiography. Basically, 
the reason why people want to read autobiographies is they want to know more about someone who has some sort of claim to fame. Usually a celebrity, sometimes you can get away with someone who has done something really extraordinary, like climbing Mount Everest every year. You could probably make a memoir out of that, too. Well, you're looking for the universality, right? Well, same in a memoir. Mm -hmm. You want to find the the universality, and you you want a really strong takeaway for the audience. So why do people care about your story? Your story doesn't have to be unique, but it does have to stand out in the market. And unfortunately, most people's autobiography is not enough to stand out in the market. It says YA fantasy. Sort of familiar, but not necessarily in a bad way. They did research and know that I'm looking for diverse YA, and they ticked a lot of my manuscript wish list boxes. It doesn't say that it's own voices, but that doesn't always necessarily... People don't always put it in the query, so... Sometimes that comes out more in the conversation. Yeah, the description is sort of benign. So it's a pass. It's so disappointing when you want something in your inbox and you don't get it. Yeah. I'm actively looking for a heist novel. I'm actively looking for really great queer representation, both in fantasy and in contemporary. I mean, you can visit my manuscript wishlist page. So you teach a class that we filmed last year on world building. Oh, that's true. That's right. Um, I talk about the elements of world building and how character is actually a really great asset in world building and how world building also affects your character as well. How the two sort of... People don't really think about them going hand in hand, but I really think they do. Also, something that people don't talk about a lot is that contemporary needs really strong world building as well. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot of contemporary set in New York City or set in the suburbs or set in the country where people sort of, again, use these tropes or these shortcuts to sort of remind the audience that they already know what they're talking about, except that means you didn't do any world building. So instead of strong female character, it's real world. <laughs> Typical suburb. Oh. Even though suburbs tend to be very cookie cutter and that's sort of one of their defining traits, a suburb in D.C. is going to feel differently than a suburb in California and it's going to feel differently than a suburb in Texas or whatever. Also because world building is not just about the color that your house is. It's the feeling that you get when you step outside in June and, well, is it sticky or is it... Cold, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, one of my clients in Australia, she talks about how it's getting really cold down there, and I was like, "What? Other people have seasons? What?" <laughs> and it adds so much more texture to the world. Yeah. What work of fiction doesn't need a world? Oh my god, Jessica has this really amazing talent. It's very specific, but she's really amazing at summing up everything that I'm talking about in a really succinct concise, quippy sentence. (laughs) Quippy. Quippy. Witty, and sometimes with a little bit of a wink. Wink. But I wouldn't have said it if you hadn't said what you did. Thank you so much for doing that. And so if you want to watch Roseanne's class, that is in our full library of classes. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to meet with Roseanne, head on over to manuscriptacademy.com and she has meetings and critiques available. 
We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.